When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Dr. D here, popping in just to tell you about our friendly neighborhood painting gallery. The painting gallery with no name is a friendly painting competition to encourage accountability to that pile of shame. At the end of the season, praise and prizes will be given out as a reward. At the end of the season, the Fury's Finest Discord will vote on two winners. These winners will get a prize, and then we will raffle out additional prizes to the remaining participants. We will announce the winners on the show and celebrate one of the best parts of the hobby. This season's theme is an Asgardian. MCP, 3D printed, or a Marvel board game will all count as long as they follow this theme. Remember, take a picture of your unpainted or lightly painted model, then paint the heck out of it. Take four photos of your freshly completed masterpiece and send us all five photos to furypainting at gmail.com by October 3rd to submit your entry. Make sure your five pictures have your name on the file so we know who to send the prizes to. Good luck and have fun. I speak for everyone when I say we are excited to see what you managed to paint. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea. Bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm pretty good today, Jesse. You know, every day I wake up is a day closer to getting the reveal of the pyro and blob character cards that's so true i was thinking the same thing this very morning but with logan the wolverine oh i'm not even i try <laughs> i'm trying not to think about that one because mm-hmm. i don't want to get my hopes too up i like i know i, I mean my hopes could be shattered where it's like i have this dream i'm going to get him pre lvo assemble uh-huh. him paint him up play him in my x-men list at lvo and we know very well none of that could happen <laughs> Oh, I know. It's, I mean, none of that, it's it's likely none of that will happen. But look, I've been looking over the Wolverine we have now. Right, right. And look, he's only like one minor change from being pretty playable. Agreed. Yeah. No, and he's obviously playable in at home games and we love to play him. Oh, yeah, for sure. And sometimes he just blows the game out. Let's be real. He can. And then he has, the, other times, he has the ability. He has the ability. But He's just so inconsistent with mm-hmm. what he does is why he's a scary forethreat. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to this new Logan Sabretooth set and what it might bring to the Weapon X table with all these new tactics cards, too. Because you got to think about it, too. We're getting new tactics cards for said characters. So one can hope, Chris, that'll make old Wolverine better as well. That, that does. I mean, people have been talking about it, of course. But are we going to see the Weapon X affiliation? Man, 
good questions and will uh, will so Captain views. America be in the affiliation? Oh, that sounds like a Chris Lore deep dive episode there or after dark in the oh, man. Oh, sounds yeah. sounds like a lot. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But also too, Chris, you know, AMG has been talking more about the Sentinels and oh my gosh asmodee put up on their website pre-orders for the sentinels and the red skull of hydra so that's getting me really excited too that we could potentially have that stuff before the end of the year which is looking like we will and i'm just not ready for this world where we're gonna have oh my gosh a sentinel faction I and know. then three completely posable ball joint sentinels that you could depose your own way with your own battle damage insane from wolverine claws from optic blast holes in their chest or not or just completely clean and how that affiliation is going to work has me so intrigued because i love the sentinels that's just a part of marvel i love so much and the mutant lore i love so much and pivotal to many of the mutant storylines and i'm just so super intrigued by what's the sentinel prime going to look like what are his buddies going to look like and the mark fours and then of course cassandra nova has been confirmed in this team that's just, exciting yeah get her on the table because we never see oh, her she's such a good like has such a good kit very good versatile yeah. yeah so there's a lot of exciting things happening and then on top of that i'm about to get like new waves for shield you know oh, yeah. one of my teams i'm playing right now and then of course a whole new affiliation that it super intrigues me that seems super hard to wrap your head around which is hydra so i'm just super excited what's happening the rest of this year man and we'll see how much of it we get by the end of the year but i know it's it's crazy i'm kind of it's not just the end of the year it's kind of the three or four months after that to see how things shake out Sure. With, with those teams being able to show up at live tournaments and, and seeing what, what things look like with them out in the wild, how they change. Because, you know, there's a lot of new kind of, I don't want to say mechanics, but a lot of new kind of ideas being right. brought into the game with some of these new, with some of these new affiliations. A lot of ideas in the game that you and I have been talking about for a while are, are starting to become expounded upon. And a lot yes. of these, a lot of these teams coming up a lot of these affiliations coming up are really starting to focus on that stuff so i'm really curious how this kind of changes the game we've seen this happen a few times where a, a few teams just disappear for other than they're just you know hard and fast i am a wakanda player for example yeah. you know wakanda used to rule the meta just everywhere Absolutely. and they still do in win rate oh man is, still their great win rates yeah one of the highest but, yeah it's crazy but they're definitely not seeing as much competitive play by volume. Right. And I think that's something cool that we're going to see with the game going forward is just like not only new affiliations that shake up the meta and the way models interact with each other and teams interact with each other, but like you kind of alluding to Chris, more models for old teams, which expands that changes that changes the meta, you know, surely we're just in the beginning of teams like the web warriors and Wakanda and stuff. Right. And whenever AMG gives us more of that, we'll be super happy. But until then, like I'm just kind of in shock how many new affiliations and secondary leaderships and stuff we're getting oh, this know. year. It's been a cool year of that. And you know, like winter guard and Malekith cabal are right now all over the place. Rightfully so they're really cool teams and they didn't exist till now. You know, so it's just, I don't know. That's, that's kind of cool. The, like the, the ethos and the organism, organism that is our game, whether it's competitive or casual, it's just cool to watch that like shape and evolve and change and teams will drop down and then they'll come back. You know, this, that's kind of how it always goes. But one thing remains certain, Chris, Avengers will always be there. <laughs> then now the forever, right? Mm -hmm. Every time yeah. a new model gets dropped in the game, Steve gets better. 
because well, he has I options mean, of more superpowers to examine with his leadership. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's, it, it's true. It's an evergreen leadership. It's always going to be good. It's, it's insane. a huge roster. I mean, there is a there is a timeline or a world or a maybe a point in our world where the Web Warriors roster is almost as big as the Avengers roster is now. One can dream. I, I'm that's telling you that, that I can't wait. There's a non-zero chance. I'll say that. You're saying without a doubt, there's a possibility oh, leading yeah. up to past variations after it's a possibility so yeah it's very exciting and i'm just looking forward to the future of this game because it's like i mean x-men have become my main team chris and we all know this and i feel like we're just in the beginning of x you know and oh uncanny X-Men and mutants in general so there's a lot to look forward to and we talk about it all the time and we'll continue to talk about it there's a ton i am a mutant player almost mm-hmm. first and foremost not exclusively but i i almost play all the mutant teams at this point and man like i said i'm just gonna bring it right back around to them pyro and blob man i cannot wait to see what they do i just can't yeah you and i last episode talked about our excitement and interest with jim hammond and things like the hot stove ability he has where it's like pushing him around Mm -hmm. and pulling him around gives you auto little pings of damage that's such a compelling new mechanic for me and i immediately thought maybe that could pave the way for some of our other future fire time and torches right or even some maybe pyro's got some of this type of stuff like incinerate and things like that as you would imagine but time will tell we'll see but i'm really excited about that just more means is more good you know (laughs) for us well said but chris we're not talking about the rest of the year on this particular episode because we're going to do more of that as the year progresses and you and i actually have some events and things that we're trying to make over the next couple of months so we're going to talk about two and we're going to talk about the meta and all things like that so stay tuned for that but today we're back in convocation and we are returning to another person who student master jumps around you know what i mean yeah, but we've, this we've time these- this time we get the legitimate anime rival trope that's right it's very good. Very good. Referencing our Beast episode a long time ago. Chris <laughs> brought that up. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy our show, consider supporting with a monthly contribution and joining our patron Discord. We thank all of our patrons for their support. And Chris, also, I got to mention while we're here, the After Dark feed. This year has been a year of After Dark. You know, yeah, that was we've a, been we've been we've doing been, good. We've been consistent. Uh, I think I think the quality has been improving. Uh, we'll have to hear from some of the some of the folks that get that feed what they think. How they what do you guys think of it? Let us know. But I've been enjoying doing them very much. Absolutely. You no, know, we have more After Darks out than there are months in the year. So we've been doing one a month or more, which has been very exciting. And it's just extra content for those Asgardian and Avenger patrons to reward them and to kind of get a peek behind the curtain with some of our list building, some of our personal life, with some of our nerdy interests. The list goes on and on. And, you know, just to reference some of the After Darks we did recently, Chris, to explain to some people that have asked at home, I did an interview with Sooner, interviewing him about his Shadowlands Daredevil list from Lone Star Open that he ended up taking shortly after we recorded to NashCon. And getting the top cut with that. Pretty, Pretty cool. 
And then also you and I did a deep dive on the NashCon top eight lists, some of their character selections, some of their crises and tactics card selections, and just kind of what we thought about this NashCon Avengers Cabal meta and Uh, some of the things that stood out to us, you know? Man, it's fun. I really enjoy doing things like that. So hopefully people enjoy it uh, and we get more chances to do it. Absolutely. And as Chris has said in the past, it's a little bit looser than our normal show. And it's fun because we can oscillate between deep dive MCP competitive content like that NashCon examination all the way to completely non-MCP related content. We're just talking about whatever. It's true. It happens. But Chris, we have a new patron of the week this week. I want to give a huge shout out to Tyler. So thank you, Tyler. Tyler, thank you so much. And of course, as always, a huge Shout out to our Avenger level producers. That is Rusty, Dylan, Nathan, Brian, and Rich. Avengers, thank you so much for keeping the show going, keeping the lights on. You're the real heroes, baby. Thank you, Avengers. All right, Chris, let's get into lore today for a character we haven't even said yet. We've alluded to a lot, Baron Mordo. So I said it earlier, but I really get some anime trope vibes from this guy. You know, he's like the main character's early rival think about your rival in the early pokemon games gary you know what i mean oh i hate that that guy guy, right he's so ugh, gary (laughs) gary (laughs) but but you know he's got those real mordo has those real kind of don't underestimate me type type of vibes (laughs) he's perfect he's interesting i mean i will say and we're not going to get into it too too much because i think marvel's kind of retconning or retconned it a bit but he had Mm -hmm. an intensely terrible childhood so if they keep his his 60s kind of childhood and origin stories there's just no hope for him ever being a good person like he just it's not gonna happen so you can't hold it too much against him but at the same time it's always fun to dunk on baron mordo he likes his tropes so jesse We've talked a little bit about who he is, kind of what he's, you know, we'll get more into it. You guys will see, but let's talk about his powers. Baron Mordo is a supremely talented and skilled magic user. Uh, He has studied the dark and mystic arts for most of his life. Uh, He has studied under the ancient one for years before strange even shows up. He's also one that is not scared to kind of, you know, to borrow another trope, use the dark side. Yeah, he, he's shown a willingness to use dark magic. He's shown a willingness to summon demons, even when he can't really control them. So a couple of things he really specializes in magically is astral projection. He's, he's very good at hypnotism, mesmerism, which again is pretty much a start a star wars thing it's mesmerism is the idea of the force but from the 18 like 50s or something like don't <laughs> don't even worry about it great <laughs> word though great word yeah mesmer and he's really good at illusions he's also a skilled martial artist but not like otherworldly or anything to write home about he'd kick any of our butts but you know in the in the marvel 616 he's he's an above average hand-to-hand combatant for a hero mordo's first appearance is going to be in august 1963 in strange tales number 111 like most characters made in this time frame he is created by stan lee and steve ditko 
And much like our other characters that we've been covering lately, Mordo is was created specifically for Doctor Strange, and he has never really broken that glass ceiling that is Doctor Strange, you know, the Doctor Strange verse, the Doctor Strange family. Yeah, there's and that's a lot okay. Of, there's a lot of Marvel villains like this, right, Chris? Oh, there's tons. Yeah, yeah. That that's okay. Mm. It's not it's not a, a death sentence or anything, you know. I, I think Mordo's tried to break through a couple times, or a couple writers have tried to, especially more so uh in, in the more recent future. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, Mordo is just always going to be Stephen Strange's, you know, rival that just couldn't get there. Jealous, you know? Yeah. So Mordo is born to a Transylvanian nobleman, Carl Amadeus Mordo. But through the machinations of his grandfather and his mother, who is really only in the marriage marriage and only even a mother uh, because of duty to the grandfather will kill Mordo's father and raise Carl themselves. At 18, Carl will be sent to Carmitage to study under the Ancient One. When Mordo arrives at Carmitage, I'm not even sure that Strange has been born yet. Right. Of course, st- time stands still when you're in and training in Carmitage, so you do not age. And of course, as we've mentioned before, the Ancient One only took Mordo in because of the the, the great power that Mordo possessed, and but the great capability for evil that Mordo had in his heart. Like you, you know, said last episode, the sort of worry and the uh, hopefully kindle this in a correct direction. Even though exactly, it's a exactly way. to 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 kind of curb it, to kind maybe maybe raise him through it, but at the very least blunt the impact you know that that Mordo could have on this world. But as soon as Doctor Strange, Stephen Strange, shows up with the Ancient One, it is just a matter of time before Carl, our poor sweet Carl, just loses it, man. Mm. But once he turns evil, of course, he's going to be thwarted by Doctor Strange at almost every turn, especially early on. Mordo is going to kind of settle into a very weird pattern of being this kind of high-powered henchman a lot of times. Yep. Because at first, he's going to be serving the Ancient One, and then when he when he breaks with the Ancient One, he's going to constantly be teaming up with people to try to take down strange and try to become the sorcerer supreme so eventually mordo is going to team with dormammu or start serving dormammu kind of that that high-powered henchman that you never can really trust or maybe that high-powered mercenary that you bring in to be your right hand but is probably in it for themselves the whole time that's kind of mordo everywhere he goes but early on it's interesting because mordo will kind of waffle back and forth a little bit he'll use dormammu to try to take out strange but strange will kind of appeal to his sense of humanity and and mordo will turn on dormammu only to have been planning it the whole time and turning on strange in a double cross you hear the excitement in my voice on it it's very very 60s storytelling and that and that's okay mm-hmm. but it's just kind of what mordo represents at this point 
uh, Mordo does see him, his power levels kind of change back and forth quite often. He will gain power only to be brought back down to his sort of mortal self. He will banish Strange to another dimension, another realm, you know, not just once, but a couple times, but only for Strange to find his way back and in turn banish Mordo. Where where things start getting a little more interesting for Baron Mordo, in, at least for me, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. But Mordo is going to kind of lose his mind in the early 70s uh, because he's going to witness a 31st century wizard by the name of Cease Neg completely recreate the universe. And it's just going to snap his brain. So from here, Mordo starts doing some kind of unhinged stuff specifically i I think it's really really interesting is when he is is after going insane he is sent to the sanctum dr strange is probing mordo's dreams only to be only to find that mordo is being terrorized by nightmare but before strange can stop nightmare mordo goes unconscious severing the link to nightmare's realm strange will then seek the aid of an aged Genghis Khan. Whoa. But Ge- aged Genghis has also gone insane. Mordo himself will eventually wake and reach out in his astral form. And when he does this, Mordo will kind of take some of the powers and madness from this alternate dimension, this, this other world that Mordo has once sent Strange to, but now Nightmare is kind of encringing from. This will drive Mordo even more insane. And this madness that Mordo has will infect the entire Earth, driving the Earth to ultimately try to destroy itself, the, the, the peoples of the Earth, the Earth itself. So through some machinations, Strange is going to get free and... You know, we're going to have a confrontation. Mordo is going to send the Man-Thing to try to kill Doctor Strange. And I'm very excited for the Man-Thing to get Mm. into uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol. I just cannot wait. But uh, Jennifer Kale and the Man-Thing will team up to defeat Mordo and free Strange. I share this story to kind of illustrate Mordo's just complete, like, unhinged use of power at this point he he doesn't care as long he is singularly focused on gaining power and kind of proving himself at this point he's been he's been cast down by his rival he's been shunned by his teacher he's been used by dormammu everyone he kind of betrays anyone that trusts him very self-defeating he's just such a bad dude he has been in a couple of teams None of those teams have really worked out very well, but one of them has an absolutely amazing name, Jesse. He's in a team, and I hope that Marvel Crisis Protocol, I hope that in 50 years we are still talking about this game and we're still getting new models because that might be how long it takes for us to get this affiliation. But the affiliation would be the Offenders, Mordo, (laughs) sharing the field with Red Hulk, Tiger Shark, and Terax. How much fun would that be? That would be really fun. I don't know if we'll ever get a Tiger Shark or a Terax, but we have Hulk. I bet we get Red Hulk not too far away from now. Mordo will have some, and this is kind of in that time frame uh, of modernity where they're kind of trying to bring Mordo into more stories outside of just the Doctor Strange canon, maybe open up some new 
factor or new stories for the character, maybe some new life. Part of that is him being used in X Factor with Peter David. He will he will instigate a scheme where he tries to use Monet St. Clair and her her uh, powers to heal him of a of a mortal cancer that he has. He will uh, of course be confronted by Monet and Guido Caracella, one of my favorite X Factor members of all time. Of course, Mordo will fail. Monet will trick him into believing that he has won and that he is cured, believing that he is cured of cancer, not only winning the confrontation, but actually killing X Factor. They just kind of let him wander off to go more and more crazy. So right now, Mordo is kind of an afterthought in in the Marvel 616, but that may change because he's still out there in the MCU and he's been pretty good. Yeah, honestly. Well, and machinations abound right in the comics and in the MCU both. That's kind of his thing. He disappears and he comes back with a plan, you know, and he does bad guy stuff, as you said. So absolutely. You mentioned the MCU, Chris. Mordo is not in that much of the MCU, but the ones he's in, it's a big deal. So Mordo in the MCU is played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, who's an incredible actor. With an incredible voice. Yes. I could just listen to that guy talk. Voice, accent, all of it. All of it. He's he's got it down. There's a reason they cast him in that um, Lion King remake to play Scar. Oh, good point. Strong, strong choice to be... uh, the brother of James Earl Jones of Mufasa. So good pull, buddy. Jesse, yeah. you're really good at that stuff. You know that? I, I have a passion for these these things. And uh shout out to Jeremy Irons, the original Scar, who was incredible as well. So Mordo in the MCU, played by this fantastic actor, brings a lot of presence. And it's really cool, Chris, because he is in Doctor Strange 1, Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse of Madness, and that's it. <laughs> and that's it. And what's crazy is between Doctor Strange 1 and Doctor Strange 2, it took a long time for us to see him again. Doctor Strange 1 was 2016. Doctor Strange 2 was, of course, this year, the year we are in currently, 2022, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And we don't even see the same Mordo. So this Mordo from Doctor Strange 1, who's actually our primary universe Mordo, our 616 Mordo, he's out there. He's doing stuff. And oh, yeah. Spoilers for Doctor Strange 1, if you haven't seen it, but they do a good job showing this sort of fall from grace that Mordo has as he is this sort of lawful character. And he has a shattering moment in the film when he learns late in the film that the Ancient One has been pulling power from the Dark Dimension to keep herself alive for thousands of years to maintain order, to maintain karmatage. And he's so lawful in his thinking and didactic that that shatters, shatters him and makes him basically think, well, if you know, the one person I've learned from all these years and kind of set me on the right path is wrong, is doing semi evil things, then everything is, everything is pointless. And I might as well be a dark side user. And that's kind of the route he goes at the very end of the film. And we don't see what happens to him after that. And I know they're going to pursue this in the future. <laughs> I don't think he was going to show up in Dr. Strange two. Uh, even the alternate Mordo. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think eight, three, eight Mordo shows up. If we're not going to get MCU Mordo again, he's been out there 
just enveloping the world in his madness, you know? Yeah, he'll show but up again, 100%. He will. Yeah. But Six, I do want to point eight. out the differences, like pretty stark differences between these characters. We don't always get this in the MCU. Our Baron Mordo, not our, but the Baron Mordo from the 616 comic verse is almost just never at any point a good person. Ancient One tries early on, right? I don't know that Ancient One tries as much as Ancient One just is is trying to like like we said maybe change the course of a river just a little bit. Okay, you know at, at, at no point was he going to be a good person, and right. I, I think Baron Mordo in the MCU really during that first movie they're really playing that like friendly rival you can count on me thing mm-hmm. uh, for a while. I just don't know that we ever had that in the comics as that rivalry between Mordo and strange is almost immediate. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they become sworn enemies by the end of the first movie because of their differences in thinking, you know, strange, sure. Willing to do the thing strange does that we've always been talking about all these weeks now, Chris, where he, he's willing to risk using the magic or the, the things he's not supposed to use to save the many. Right. And Mordo is like, well, that's you, you mess with the fabric of the universe, so you're dead to me, basically. <laughs> you know, I, I think you hit and, the uh, nail on the head uh, earlier with the the lawful good comparison. It, it is it is truly mm-hmm. a a chaotic good, yes, you know, lawful good confrontation in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. sure where Mordo would fall now. Probably chaotic evil. So yeah, I think in the he's beginning, so bent. Here's some irony, Chris. We can draw parallels between our show and the MCU because nice. they like to change things in the MCU so much and usually for the better, sometimes not so much. And my reference there is the Ronin we got in the MCU was the more evil one note Ronin, though he was an accuser and that was a fixation of his that wasn't fleshed out in the way that he truly is, which is more like the 616 Mordo, right? This like this hyper focus on the lawful in his own worldview right and if that's breached right. you're going to get a different side of ronin but if that's not breached he's like this is how we're doing it and you know ronin has interesting parts in his story that we talk about that break the mold of that too he has to learn things too that are not so laser focused in this way but that yeah that's that's that lawful thinking can really turn to chaos in a lot of ways if unchecked or messed with in the ways and that happened in the MCU and, you know, of course, in Ronan's comic narrative as well. So very cool. I love the MCU Mordo so much more than this sort of comic book Mordo for this reason, where it's like, yeah. he had a code that he followed to the T. He was told things. He was on the wrong path, but then he got on the right path because he followed these things to the T, right? This is how he's thinking, you know? He did all the things right, and then in the end, it didn't matter. So now he's just like shattered, and he's back. He kind of devolved back to that pre-meeting the ancient one where he was in a bad spot. But now he has powers, <laughs> you know. And it's that's a very serious state for someone's mind to be in. Black and white thinking like that it really does not lead to uh, right good ends very often. And man, throw some superpowers in the mix, and that's a pretty dangerous combination. And then you get a, you know, and then throw a uh, Doctor Strange who lives in the gray, but Mm. is heroic and is good, but he lives in the gray and all his choices to serve that. And then you can see why they have these polar opposite ends of 
conflict that they're currently always in in the comics and of course i think even maybe better so in the mcu if they flush that out some more gonna be pretty cool and they played fun with it in multiverse of madness when he encounters a three eight mordo and, and he yes. gives him a hug and it's a different mordo he's got the awesome dreads and he's illuminati mordo so but he still has some of those uh he's still got on that, the surface yep. he's dealing with yep. Definitely a lot of that jealousy towards yes. Strange came right back to Mordo as soon as MCU Strange hit his universe. He got he was brought right back to that <laughs> that kind of school rivalry almost. Yeah. Very strong. Great stories between these characters. I look forward to seeing more of him in the MCU, and I'm sure we will, Chris, um, just for the voice alone, like you said. But Chris, you got to close out our lore like you, we always do with a comic book recommendation for us. Well, the convocation has been a tricky one from this standpoint, but we're just going right. to stick with the death of Doctor Strange. Yeah. We're all just going to read it and talk book about club. it somehow. It. Just do it. Maybe it's an idea for an episode, something to look at for sure. Yeah, man. Definitely an after dark topic in the least. All right, Chris, well, let's get over to Baron Mordo and Marvel Crisis Protocol. His name is Baron Mordo. His alter ego is Carl Amadeus Mordo. It's nice, Chris, to go back to a character with an alter ego because we've had two characters now. Clea was just Clea. An ancient yeah. one was just the ancient one. So it's funny. It's, it's more stark in this series when people just lose their name left and right. Wong, he's just Wong. Baron Mordo, Carl Amadeus Mordo. He's a three threat model. On his healthy side, he has six stamina. On his injured side, he has five stamina. He's a medium sized base with a medium move. Once again, he's just as fast as both Stranges and Voodoo. Helpful to know. He's a size two, and his defenses are two physical, four energy, four mystic. What are your thoughts, Chris, on this three threat character so far? He's got a lot of raw stats. Uh, six health. Yeah. I mean, two yeah. fours on the energy department, uh, medium move on a medium sized base. He's got some things going for him, of course. Uh, that two physical, kind of scary. It is kind of scary, but six health, as Chris said, is nice. And more importantly, listener, six health on the healthy side is really mm-hmm. nice, right? Where it's you're counting for those objectives against other healthy models or and things like that. So it's why Toad is so good because Toad has that bigger health pull on his front side, right? We've talked about these things a lot and it keeps you around in the game a little bit longer before you flip to your injured side. But Chris, I'm just going to start reading his attacks because he has three. His first attack is the Staff of the Living Tribunal. It's a mystic attack at range three, strength of four, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, Baron Mordo gains power equal to the damage dealt. And on a wild, you'll trigger push. If the target character is size two or less before damage is dealt, this character may push the target away short. Keep in mind, it's only four dice, but it's a range three attack. I like that on a strike. Well, and it's a mystic. Mystic sometimes yeah overrepresented in teams are mystic defenses but just as often or more often i think mystic is a little bit lower than the others so maybe a niche character uh we're kind of looking at or maybe multi-tool character Uh, i guess we'll have to keep reading but in that spirit let's move on to his next attack it is also a mystic attack it is bolts of bishru range four strength four power cost of zero After this attack is resolved, Baron Mordo gains one power. It is a gainer. On a wild, you will trigger Hex. I really do like Hex. It's very good. Right. So just a reminder, listeners at home, Hex, if your opponent has Hex, they can explode their crits on defense or attacks. I love this, Chris. This is very cool where it's just at range four, he has an auto gain one power attack that sometimes gives Hex. Arguably, just as good as his strike, except the strike has push. And it's at a short range. So obviously you're going to use the strike when they're in range, but sometimes all you just need is that one power. And it's just, 
it's just a risk you're not willing to take with that strike. And if you don't need the push, you might as well just do this attack anyways, because you're guaranteeing gaining one power. And then Hex really stacks up throughout a game. If you Hex people early, their economy on their attacks and their defense is bad early on. Right? Exactly. And it's going to stay that way until they shake it. So uh, I find it very cool. And, you know, Hex is not on a lot of characters natively, Chris. Like, you know, it's it's not as rare as something like Root mm. or Judgment, but it's out of the more common ones, it's probably one of the most rare, you know, and it's interesting to see it on a three threat character like this. I think Hex lives in a very interesting space where it is not quite as threatening as some other conditions. Like, I mean, what are the ones you, you want the least? Usually incinerate. incinerate. Yeah. Stagger. Well, of course, uh, stagger. But. Stagger, big time. Uh, <laughs> Number one. You know, stun sucks. You don't really think about Hex. It, it doesn't do anything as game-changing as those conditions. And you think, well, Chris, then why do I want to use it? Why do you like it? Because it lives in that gray area of, is it even worth the shake? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it worth That's losing an action to get rid of this? And then once they don't shake it for one whole round and we're into a later stage of the game, it's now sunken cost fallacy. Do I shake it? <laughs> right. Uh, I've already gone this far. Well, does that make the rounds where I didn't shake it a mistake? I, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. look, it just lives in that gray area of annoyance and posing a question. I it's just good. think it's, I, I think it's good. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's better than something like poison, right? We talked about even poison yeah. is annoying, right? Like we talked about last episode with ancient one, giving out poison, but just simply put, this is more effective on, Characters that want to attack more. Yes. You know? And that's a big part of it. And it's also really effective on big characters because if you can slow down their power building and their damage dealing, it hurts them a lot. So yeah, this isn't great on a side support character the enemy team, but you're still going to throw it on because Hex is really nice um, slowing down what the dice do in this game. His last attack is also Mystic, Chris. So that, that's three Mystic attacks. This is the Reigns of Ragador. It's range four, strength of seven. Power cost of four, very expensive, but seven's nice. He also has an automatic trigger after this is over, so it's not a wild trigger. We love that. Burning rain. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the incinerate and poison special conditions. This is cool. This is very cool. I really do believe that old Baron Mordo here can really annoy the heck out of one Malekith the Accursed. Yeah. He can. He can even help you maybe take down that Hulk or something. Just I think get so. Trigger and then incinerate out and um, focus fire. Yeah. So let's move on to his superpowers, Jesse. His first one is very interesting. It is mm-hmm. not only an active superpower, but is an it is an action in and of itself. It is master of the occult. It will cost no power. Does cost an action? As I said, Baron Mordo gains two power. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Very interesting. Suddenly that Reigns of Ragador be shooting at maybe, I mean, top around two, man. Absolutely. Well, and you and I did Wong in the past and Wong yep. has meditate for yep. zero power, but it costs an action and Wong gains one power from that. So this is a better version of Wong's meditate. What I find cool here, Chris, is Morta doesn't have any heals. So they've kind of like right. reined it in and in a way Wong's also a two threat, Morta's a three threats. I find that very cool, but something you're going to do every game with Mordo, I don't, it depends on the number of times. I'm not sure. You're definitely going to do it like round one because he's so fast. It's like you can gain the two power. You have three power now, move to an objective be ready for round two, right? That's ideal. 
but also there could be things that you're doing with your team that people might not be ready for. I mean, it could be something along, along the lines of gain two power from this. You're at three power advanced R and D to your team, move to the objective, right? There's interesting things that can happen with this sort of gain power at will. This is very cool, man. Just, just take an action to gain two power. That can be really helpful for your team and Mordo himself. And also helps his economy get started. You already alluded to the Reigns of Ragnar costing four. That could mean you could do this round one. Round two, you just do one bolts of Bishrew. You've already got Reigns of Ragnar as your second action round Bingo. two if you want to. Crazy. And if you find a way to get more power or perhaps all of those status conditions stick on that character, next activation, you can use his next superpower, Soul Barb. It is an active superpower and it is going to cost you two power. Choose an enemy character within range three of Baron Mordo with one or more of the following special conditions. Hex, incinerate, poison, or slow. Choose one of these special conditions on that character. Each enemy character within range two of the chosen character gains the chosen special condition. This is super powerful on on those big clumped up fighty maps yeah. Or objectives, I should say, not maps, but researcher, demons downtown, mm-hmm. ammo, intrusions, you Gross. name it. This makes his hex on Bolts of Bishrew very dangerous, Chris. Exactly. Because now you can just spread that hex to everybody, or even worse, Reigns of Ragador, spread that incinerate, incinerate. to everybody. Watch Nasty. out. Jim Hammond in the game now, too. Watch out. People are going to use these two characters, do bad I stuff so. with incinerate. Yeah. I 100% think that that is going to happen. It's really cool, but I think this is one of his best features, and it's one of his hardest things to use because we're just not trained to think this way. Like, oh, I'm going to like target an enemy within three and spend two power if they have a condition that's on this list and then spread it to their allies. But when it happens, it's huge. I mean, think about it this way, Chris. Sometimes you'll just do this just to get a conditioner on like a Hulk or something, a big character. Exactly. Like, oh, Iron Man's next to Hulk and he has incinerate. That's fine. I don't need the value from this. I just need to get incinerate on Hulk without doing anything. Pay the power. Very, very strong. Also, keep in mind, it's not an action. So if you got the power to do it, you're just going to do it. And you should do it because conditions are huge in this game. But I mean, they're also really good in Mordo's kit. I feel like if he starts getting them out on people, he he does more soul barbs, right? He gets more conditions to spread the virus more. And if he can really get that going, he provides an immense amount of just kind of cumulative value by taking yes. away actions from from the opponent and by way of shake actions and Perfect. by taking away defense dice, to taking away power. Fi- Slow. Look, so man, terrible. you can you can if you've got the power, you can do that soul barb on that incinerate. But then uh, maybe I'll just go ahead and spread the hex too, because I have four power. I can do this twice. No reason mm-hmm. not to. Like mm-hmm. if it's really going, going it. Yeah, there's I mean, no He can limit. be insanely valuable. But that's not going to happen some- every game. That's going to be hard to engineer. Don't let my don't let my yeah. pie in the sky dream get you guys fooled into thinking that he's an automatic win or something tough to pull off he's a tough character to play and of course we'll go into the next superpower and i'll read it here because these next two superpowers cost power and they're really good too so this is part of the reason why you're going to yeah. use soul barb less his next superpower is a reactive superpower called the ferocity of sidorak which is awesome that he's channeling the power of sidorak cost two power when another allied character within three of mordo targets an enemy character with an attack 
So as long as you're within three of Mordo, you can use this. Mordo doesn't have to be in with any given range of the enemy who's being targeted by your ally. Think something crazy. Think Hawkeye's max range three of Mordo and he's shooting someone at range five. Mordo's way in the back on an objective. He can still give Hawkeye that support. The attacker that Borno's helping adds two dice to its attack roll. After the attack is resolved, the attacking character suffers one damage. The superpower can only be used once per turn. So you couldn't like double tap with Hawkeye with buffed up attacks that turn, for instance, or strange, which is a really good way to use this said ability. But yeah, Chris, two power for two attack dice. Only drawback is it gives you one damage, which is a night, which is a tough drawback, but this is deaths to Creon Thanos, which is a drawback of the damage. I love it. Yeah, but when you're using this properly on Laura Kinney, right? Or she's cable. just gonna, yeah, she's just gonna regenerate that that damage. I cannot stress enough just how good this is on builders. You know, like absolutely. Well, you said the magic words there, cable. Cable is the magic word, and yeah, I mean, cables seven rifle dice take rifle. seven. The builds power, Nasty. very helpful. Very helpful. Yeah, this is good on any character with a big builder that has good superpowers and we're gonna get to that in list building i I won't talk about them all here yeah it's very cool one of his main purposes is to hang back pass out hexes and pushes when he can with his attacks and then ferocity of sidorak his allies yes That's, that's a good purpose for him if you're on a map that builds power, this is, of course, increased and he gets better at these things because then now he can soul barb on top of these other things. And maybe sometimes he's just going to master the occult and do a bunch of soul barbs and save a bunch of power for, for Ferocity of Sidorak when his allies go, right? He's just going to kind of play passively. He's good at that. He's a good passive character. He's a good support character at that. I think that something that this character is very good at or can be very good at in the hands of, of the right player it really feels like if you need the game to slow down a little bit, uh-huh. he can help you make that happen by getting getting some conditions out there and, and kind of slowing down the enemy team. But at the same time, speeding your team up, <laughs> you could speed that team up. <laughs> I mean, adding <laughs> some cool. dice. Uh, yeah, it's just I think he's a very, very helpful, but high skill limit kind of piece. Yeah, he's a super support. And closing out his card, he has two more superpowers that are really cool keeping him sort of relevant he has a reactive superpower called the vaulting boots of valtor which is very cool because that was featured in both mcu movies yes yes cost two power after this character baron mordo is pushed he can use the superpower after the effect is resolved this character advances short so he's immune to pushes He's got Indomitable on at all times, basically. Not Very the cool. worst. Not the worst. Cost two power, which is not great because you want to spend it on the Soul Barb and Frosty of Sidorak, but if it's going to keep you on a point to score it, you're going to keep the two power for when you get pulled or pushed and you can get back in place. And closing out his card, I mentioned he's fast. He's very fast, Chris. He's a medium-sized vase with a medium move with flight, just like Strange and Voodoo. Love it. He's not super fast, but he is not slow. You love that. Everybody knows I love teams that can move around the battlefield quickly. So consistent. No surprise. Right? It's it's no very surprises. consistent. Looking at his card, there's so many things going on and there's so many options. And let's also not forget, Chris, he's a pretty cool character to like maybe play on some of those energy pay to flips. He has four energy defense. That's very unusual. You know, energy is the least represented defense in this game. And you're getting that number of four, four and up. You know, some characters have mm. two energy defense, very common. He's good. He's good against energy teams and he's good against energy objectives. So I find that very cool. 
we've already talked about this whole series, how we're going to have a recurring theme of low physical defense. I don't think it's as much of a problem with him because he's got good health. He's got good movement and he's got a push and hacks, right? So like he can actually control the people coming at him a little bit, slow them down. And since he has so much health, if they're hexed and they're being pushed away and they're having to come back from being pushed and stuff, this is his perfect world situation, but it does happen. He's going to slow him down in a big way, like you said, and um, create time for his team. Meanwhile, if he's using the ferocity of Sidorak on someone big like Strange, Strange is removing those targets that are coming to bother Mordo, right? So yeah, if you're going for Mordo, you're not looking at the pe- the person he's buffing up, right? Like the Hulk in front of him. or the, Exactly. Or the Strange or the Malekith, which I'll talk about here in a minute. Or the so, Cyclops doing the optic devastation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, yes, it's scary, but you know, he has the six health. He can, he can hang on. We've got two convocation cards to talk about real quick to close out sort of this convocation card discussion. And these are cards that come with Mordo. The first card is the Orb of Agamotto. Oh, it's an active card and convocation only. Any number of convocation characters not holding an objective token may spend three power each to play this card. Characters that spent three power are placed within three of their current location. This is Rainbow Bridge for convocation. Can't have an objective, but repositioning Mordo or Ancient One or Strange at the drop of a hat for three power. This card's it's, huge, Chris. It's one of my favorites. It's pretty strong. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a lot of movement on some... The affiliated characters in this affiliation are monsters. So yeah, it's, getting it's out, of, out of activation movements uh, with, with just honest-to-God monsters like that, it's pretty gross. Chris, you and listeners both know, like I try not to be precious with my cards at all because it's like spending all your cards in MCP, you're usually winning the game. If you're playing well and then you're spent all your tactics cards, sometimes you're just going to use this. Actually, let me rephrase that. Frequently, you're going to use this card just to move one convocation member, and that's going to be okay. It's going to be awesome. You're going to spend three just to move Strange where he needs to be so he can double tap, so he can double scalpel to move Ancient One where she needs to be so she can get off that astral strike. You're fine with that. I know the dream is like every single convocation member that doesn't have an objective, they're all going to pay three, but that's just not... That's not how the game works. You know, that's not how a, you mean, a match against a good player is going to happen. You mean to tell me I can't just pay three on everybody, move them in, out of nowhere, yell checkmate, <laughs> and the entire convention hall start clapping and cheering for me? I, mean, I don't that, believe you. That could I don't happen. You. It's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's more likely to happen than, um, you know, someone to get off fearful symmetry during a tournament for Craven to turn into Spider-Man in the middle of a tournament. So I will give that to you, Chris. That's going to happen. There we go. You heard it here full. You heard it here first folks. We had to make the fearful symmetry comparison, but we got there. We got there and it's just a great card. It's one of my go-to cards for convocation. I frequently bring it in my five. It's always in my 10 movement is good. And this team does not like being out of position. They have to be in position. So this helps them get back in position if they're thrown out of position. But closing our last convocation card, Chris, the Wand of Watum. This is a uh, interesting, interesting card. So it's an attack card. So convocation active. A convocation character may spend two power during its activation to play this card. Choose one of the following effects. This character may use the elemental blast attack listed above once this activation. Elemental blast is a range five, strength of seven, zero power cost energy attack with a wild trigger of elemental blast. If the attack is resolved, the target character gains incinerate, shock, and slow. Pretty good. 
but you, you don't have to use it for that attack. You can also use it to reroll two dice in your defense rolls this round, or this character may use a superpower that is normally limited to once per turn, a second time this activation, paying its cost, of course, as normal. This is a weird card, Chris, because it takes a tactics card slot and a team that already has all their slots taking it with tactics card. But man, is it cool for Wong to have this <laughs> and do something really big, you know, or more yeah. than uh, y- there's some pretty good uses uh, for it with Mordo just to, I mean, shoot, pay two to gain two more power. Not really a, <laughs> not, not really a good exchange, but. But if you have to use it, you'll have to use it. But yeah, I mean, Wong just using, I just think these support characters, if they need to close out the game and like you're kind of getting scared that you have to bank on their dice, it's like, okay, they could use this elemental blast, maybe help you close out at a game or something. But yeah, the convocation members have really good superpowers we know this so this final clause is really interesting fortunately this is one of their least used cards because it's just so niche to pull off but we had to bring it out bring it out here and talk about it because it's just fun and i'm sure as the game grows in the future cards like this just like sort of like the seven suns beam attack from strange card that we don't see a lot of like those type of cards that come in and out depending on what's in the meta depending on what crises are being played so this is exactly one of those cards and i i'm all here for it it's very cool yes that's what keeps the game fresh and fun without brand new releases constantly and having to buy entire new sets or 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 you know, entire new affiliations and replace every model. No, it's, oh, that card I've had for two years. It's, it's suddenly, it's good again. That's, <laughs> Absolutely. that's great. That's great. And closing out our strategy section, Chris, Baron Mordo is affiliated with the Convocation and the Cabal. And I find this very cool because he's a great support piece for both. He's kind of an essential support piece for Convocation. He's just kind of buffing yes. up your attacks, giving out more conditions. He's another three threat model. That's just solid. That just, just works. And, Cabal, he's been good for a while in Cabal, but now he's great because of Malekith. I think he's a great support piece to Malekith. Absolutely. Does Malekith need to have a nine dice builder attack? No. Absolutely. But yes, he does. Does Malekith love the damage? Because here's how it works. You take the damage from using the Ferocity of Sidorak, but then if you daze an enemy model, you trigger the Malekith leadership, you heal that damage, gain a power, you know the whole song and dance. It's pretty scary, honestly, because kind of a kind of a gross engine. Yeah, it's a gross engine. And we talked about too, Chris, how like Mordo's already a great person just to sit on your back point and buff up your team. So like the Malekith team really wants to do that. They they kind of want to go in. So it's kind of interesting to me that Mordo can hang back and score points while they all move up, focused on the kill, the Baron Zemos, Malekiths of the world, you know, with whatever taste you like. But I, I'll talk about my fun places real quick. I think he'd be really fun in the defenders when we get more defender stuff in the future as a splash because he can change his attack types and he can give out more hexes, right? And he can soul barb those hexes more readily and easily, but more importantly, like changing the, all these attacks to physical or energy against your opponent who has a weakness to one of those things could be really nice, especially if they're strong against Mystic, right? It's a good flex. But I got the Malekith idea. You know, first thing I saw when I saw Malekith was we got to play Mordo with him. <laughs> but, that, but that came, Chris, from my experience with playing Mordo with Dormammu. Exactly. I think playing Dormammu with support pieces, we know it's really good. We've, we've mentioned it in other episodes. 
Try him with Clea. Try him with Lockjaw. These characters that support him. Mordo's no different. In fact, I think he's better with Dormammu because he's getting more power turn with Dormammu's leadership, and he can do all these things he wants to do to enable Dormammu to kill models. And uh, the theme is right. The theme is just right. He's worked with Dormammu, uh, buffing up oh, Dormammu's yeah. attacks with the ferocity of Sidorak. There's some cool lore going on there, like calling on the powers of Sidorak to help Dormammu it's, hit harder. It's honestly uncanny how <laughs> yeah. things like that work out. I, I say work out. I would not be surprised if it was planned that Mordo uh, complemented Dormammu very, very well. But AMG knocks it out of the park with this stuff. I mean, the, the fact that these two characters on the table play so play the way they do and interact the way they do while mm-hmm. not being completely broken and the game being within this kind of power band and staying mostly you know pretty competitive and balanced is honestly insane. I love it so much. I mean, it just feels right when you play it too, you know, like the, the feel and the, and the lore is right on point, which is what we love here on the show. And the last place I'll mention, Chris, that I think is interesting that no one's explored yet. And it's just a little fun take is play Mordo in amazing Spider-Man leadership. We're already passing out all those slows, move those oh slows stack the slows with the bumps that Peter Parker does. If people are slowed, I think there's some legs there. Someone just got to figure it out. I might try it. Very interesting. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Follow the show online. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com with any inquiries, ideas, or collaborations and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our show's music. And like Jesse said, please help spread the word, rate, review, subscribe. It really just means the world to us. It is what keeps us doing it. Just thank you so much. It's it's very humbling. Thank you. You can find me, Jesse, online at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N on Twitter and Instagram. Chris, where can everyone find you? Find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T, where I don't care about sports anymore. Until Chet is healthy. There we go. I was waiting for the Chet talk. But yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's been really fun to do a important villain of the Doctor Strange universe. More importantly, I think Chris, just a really good character in Marvel Crisis Protocol that fits in a lot of teams in a lot of interesting ways and is really rewarding when you work at this character. And I always love characters like that. I I do too. There's something about a character like that or like this that just gets not very many people are very good with them. But man, when when you got it or you play against someone that that gets it and that character just just shreds you to ribbons and it's this character (laughs) that everyone tells you sucks. And it's just, I don't know. I just think there's something special about that in competitive games like this. Absolutely. I mean, we're going to say a lot of what we said last week where it's like, yes, this character is great in Convocation, but you should play them in other places. And I think Ancient One and Mortar are a great example of like two characters that can be splash places and they just require a little bit of work to splash them and learn them. But when you splash them, you're like, oh man, this was, this was worth the splash. And he's not even a splashing cabal. He's affiliated cabal, which is extra scary too. Cause that means on the dark rain turn, he gets to reroll his dice on his attacks. Gross. Which that's so nasty. That's the only thing holding him back is those four dice attacks. So, yep. you know, it's just crazy. So play Baron Mordo and we will return to the show soon. We appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 